Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Seb, how do you manage to keep yourself so perky and upbeat in the mornings? I thought you were going to ask me that question. Well, I'll tell you, I drink between three and 14 cups of coffee every day. I'd like to tell you about one of my favourite coffee companies and that is Chimney Fire Coffee. Have you ever heard of them? I have heard of them. You know for why? They're sponsoring this podcast. Chimney Fire Coffee create responsibly crafted speciality coffee from their roasteries nestled in the Surrey Hills. They work hard to create a fully sustainable coffee journey by focusing on transparent sourcing, working directly with farmers and sharing their stories and by using fully compostable packaging. They donate 25p from every regular bag and £1 from every kilo bag of all Discovery Coffee sales to Recycle, a small charity who refurbish bikes from the UK and ship them to rural communities in Africa. For every 28 kilos of coffee roasted, a single bike plus spare parts will be sent to these communities to help improve social mobility, children's education and overall health. Chimney Fire Coffee is proud to partner with 3 in a Bar podcast to offer listeners 20% off their first coffee order. Simply head to www.chimneyfirecoffee.com and use the code TIAB20 at checkout to redeem your discount. This is Three in a Bar, a podcast where we are joined by a different musician every episode. I'm Seb Philpot. And I'm Verity Simmons. I play the trumpet. And I play the cello. Our guests could be from any part of the music world. We've spoken to pop stars, composers, orchestral musicians, singers, musical theatre performers and lots more. We chat about their careers, ambitions and get a glimpse into what makes each musician unique. Shall we sing the song? Oh, don't make me sing the song. Three, three in a bar. Hey, I tell you what, auto-tune is a wonderful thing. Three, three in a bar. Come on, Seb. First round's on me. Pressure, pressure to start a show. <laughs> pressure. We should explain. We've been, been using this thing called Zencaster, and you press record, and it gives you a three, two, one. Which, oh, you know, I guess is that what you get? As, I don't get that. Oh, you don't even get that. No, no, I thought you were just doing it to ramp up the pressure. No, no, I get a big three, two, one, and I guess as musicians, we're used to the old red light. But mm. still, I was feeling very calm until I saw the three, two, one. I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, it's okay. I think we've been slick as ever. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, what a great start yeah. to a show. Yeah, hey, I like the new add-on. Great. Oh, thanks. The the little uh, 
foreigner bar jingle. Yeah, so appropriate. Did it this afternoon. I thought I was quite, I was quite inspired. I thought I should, I should make a new piece of music oh, to celebrate having an extra. It's a person. beauty. Well done. Thanks very much. Well, we have two guests with us this week because these two people are intrinsically linked forever due to their new company called Gender and the Large and Shiny Instruments. Well said. That's Thanks. right. And they are Letty Stott and Beth Hyam Edwards. Yeah. Ray. And when did we speak to these guys? About five hours ago, was it? Maybe a little longer. <laughs> Six, a little possibly. Bit it was today, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Friday, the 4th of March. Yes. It's all very fresh in my mind. And yours? No, I seem to have... Uh, no, it's very fresh <laughs> in my mind. It's all there. It's hard enough getting three people in the room, but getting four people in a room, uh, turns yeah. out impossible. We had to do it online. <laughs> it was a virtual room. Due to uh, the plumbing issues and yeah. educational matters. Various factors were yes. at work. But yeah. it worked out quite nicely. It did. And uh, it was, we had a really interesting discussion. We should talk about what their whole business is all about yeah I keep saying business like it's some shop it's uh <laughs> um, i've actually got their website here and, oh good uh, so you I'm can gonna read come out with... their about section because it, it's very oh, well i'm glad i'm glad gender and the large and shiny instruments was formed as a playful response to a number of stimuli within the music profession firstly both letty and beth play large instruments that have not traditionally been viewed as feminine choices in recent historical times this attitude continues to permeate through symphony orchestras and professional ensembles with worryingly few jobs in brass and percussion held by women, evidenced by data collected in 2019. We'll go through some of that later. Okay. Secondly, although gender advocacy is a burgeoning area within music, we find that instrumentalists and freelancers are often being left out of the dialogue. We have conversations with fellow performers every day about the workplace and want to help these voices be heard. Finally, both Beth and Letty believe that education is crucial in order to promote a more equal and fair future. Through highlighting role models of successful female and non-binary musicians, their aim is to encourage young girls, women and non-binary people to take up brass, percussion and large and shiny instruments and to view this as a viable career path. Visibility is key in an industry that at present is extremely underrepresented on the concert stage. And this is extremely important to show children and young people that there are professional musicians working in this sector at the highest level that look like them. That's okay. the end of the about section. Okay. <laughs> bravo. Bravo. <laughs> now, depending on whether or not we kept <laughs> in the many retakes, <laughs> that, that, that has taken me about 10 minutes to read out. So, Representative. Uh, <laughs> represented. <laughs> Just a bit, yeah, okay. So Good. there we go. That's it in a nutshell. Um, oh, um, I'm going to read out some stats about how many people hold jobs in in big orchestras okay can we play the stats game i love a game and i love oh stats. yeah okay go on all right then yeah so i don't know exactly the data uh what the uh statistics are i think it's <laughs> that's where our game comes seriously unstuck <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, okay, this is symphony orchestras and professional ensembles. Right. Um, I'm going to give you an instrument and you're going to tell me the percentage okay. that is female in right. that instrument. Okay. Okay. First of all, French horn. Percentage. Yeah, which percentage um, of French horn players in this country are yeah. female that holds positions in jobs? I'm going to go 38%. It's 15. Oh, far less than I thought, far less. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's yeah. do the next one. Okay. Uh, just waiting for the slideshow. Okay, <laughs> double bass. Okay, I'm going to say... 38%. It's 15 again. Oh, God. Oh, I'm not doing well. You said 38 last time. I know, I like it. It's a good okay, percentage. Well, maybe you want keep saying it just in case yeah, it's try. right. I'll okay, try. trombone. 38%. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to go. You're no, I'm really sorry. No. Me, no, I'm going to go lower, actually. I'm going to say yeah. 25%. Uh, no, it's 7 Oh, that's very much lower. This is like we've set it up. You, you're, you're being genuine here, right? Yeah, I did genuinely think that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's almost like, like we're trying to prove a point. Yeah. You think it's a lot, but actually it's not. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, what's next? Percussion. Okay. No percent. It's 10%. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, I wanted to go the from... other way there because oh, okay. I didn't want you're people bit, to think, yeah, I did go a bit far. <laughs> Okay, uh, well, let's do uh, tuba. Okay. How many tuba players are there in this country that hold jobs? I do actually uh, know on this one. The tuba. You know um, this one? Yeah, I, I do. It's quite an easy one to remember, this one, isn't it? No percent. It's no it's blooming percent. No, no women. That's madness. Yeah, that is madness, isn't it? I don't really understand that. I mean, I've played baritone horn, as I mentioned, <laughs> a few times. Um, yeah. And I mean, that was I can't. That's not much of a step down, is it? Really? <laughs> it's not a step Cuba. down. It's a step. It's a step sideways along the line. Okay, section principles in yeah. every instrument. Okay, how many are female? All right. Oh gosh, I fear this is going to be a shockingly low statistic. I'm going to go. Um, eighteen percent. Okay, it's thirty-three. Oh. <laughs> Well, good. It's better than so it's I thought. It's about a third. But... No, it's, yeah. it's not well, that's, great. That's with all it's... instruments. Okay. So okay. I, mean, I guess there are some instruments that are traditionally seen as being female mm. instruments, which is obviously stupid. Yeah. But there you go. Well, there we um, are. Maybe we should say something about the uh, the people, Letty and Beth. Oh, yes, we must. Shall I read? I've got it here. Oh, go on then. Yeah, if you've got it to hand, lovely. I feel like I'm just reading stuff off the internet. It was it's for the best. As I proved during this interview, uh, being concise isn't one of my strengths. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Beth Heim Edwards is a percussionist whose recent performing credits include The Mirror and the Light, Inala, Amadeus, and Common at the National Theatre, and Measure for Measure, Macbeth, Henry V, Othello at the Globe. Uh, she does lots of teaching, uh, workshops, and she is on the board of trustees at the National Children's Orchestra. Letty Stott is a professional French horn player, and she has worked with many of the UK's major orchestras, including the BBC Concert Orchestra, Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, Britain Symphonia, City of London Symphonia, English National Ballet. 
um, opera companies, English National Opera, English Touring Opera, Royal Opera House, Opera Holland Park. She does session recordings for TV. She also did Amadeus at the National Theatre and Macbeth. Julius Caesar with the Royal Shakespeare Company and Disney's Lion King and Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Hurrah. She, she is very keen in music archaeology. She recently held an artist residency at Snape Maltings. Um, there's oh, a really yeah. great video on YouTube, isn't there? Uh, yeah, let's link to that. In preparation. Yeah, she's basically found all these old instruments and um, made music with them. Letty is also a trustee on the National Children's Orchestra, so they work together on that. So we we chatted for quite a long time, and yeah. we've decided to just keep it all in, really. Mm. And um, there's not a Patreon extra for this one, because we thought it'd be good for everyone just to hear it all. That's right. Um, but we'll so come up one. with something for Patreon. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> Don't worry, Patreon guys. We'll, Don't worry. We'll have, a, we'll have a chat and record it. And, uh, <laughs> it'll be very good. You'll get your money's worth. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> if you do want to join our Patreon, support the show, then there is a link in the description of this show. And uh, you get, you know, lots of bonus episodes. Mm. And just the glowing feeling of uh, knowing you've you've supported Three in a Bar and uh, help us make this show. Yeah, yeah. There's always the threat of getting more things as well. And at one stage, we'll see that through. <laughs> and we you will. will. Yeah, we will. We will. We do have some exciting stuff coming up, don't we? And I'm oh, sure yes. there'll be discounts and early access stuff for that. Oh so. yeah. Should we get into it? The yeah, the chat. Yeah, come on. All right, well, we'll see you at the end for a little debrief. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, here is Letty and Beth from Gender and the Large and Shiny Instruments. I can't believe we've managed to gather all four of us together. Thank you so, so much. Oh, I'm so sorry not to be with you right this minute. <laughs> Well, what's the deal with the plumber, Letty? Oh, they just came. They said the toilet is leaking. It's not the shower. Um, right. Don't know what we do about that, but they're coming back on Monday to have another crack at it. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, oh God. <laughs> temporary temporary I, toilet on, time, just, is it? I'm having... Exactly. Sorry, Charlotte's shouting from downstairs. Uh, okay. Sorry, I think I need to do something. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Beth, what are you off to do after this? Uh, I'm doing a workshop in Harrow oh. with the London Chamber Orchestra. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it should be good. It's oh. good. It's like um, a few different schools come together. There's like a primary school, an SEN school and a secondary school. And they're all learning a um, piece by Cheryl Francis Hodes. Um, yeah, so we just sort of teach them. It. Some of them are total beginners on their instruments. Some of them have played it a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a really nice project. Oh, that's cool. So are you mid-project at the moment? Yeah, we are with that one. It's in two different hubs, but that one's mid and then the um, actual performance is in May. But it's one of the bits of work I've been doing longest. It was like actually kind of one of the first bits of work I ever got. Um, so, yeah, it's a really lovely project. I've been doing it for years and years, which oh. feels a bit weird for my career stage. So, yeah, no, it's great. Oh, that's brilliant. All well, Seb? Um, all well, yeah. Uh, Charlotte was on a, she's doing an exercise class. So I didn't know. Oh. So she's shouting, I'm hot. <laughs> I thought she said, I, we forgot. I was like, oh my God, what? what? what, what did we forget? Is, is the baby somewhere? <laughs> 
can we just say, first of all, massive congratulations on the launch of, I want to just say large and shiny, but actually the fuller name, it's gender and the large and shiny instruments, isn't it? Is that right? I've got it. That's right. Yeah. 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 Not afraid of a long name. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> can be also shortened to Galsy, though. Galsy. Galsy. Like yeah. it. I think both <laughs> names sound like you could be on a BBC introducing stage with some really cool bands. <laughs> Either one of them. <laughs> well, yeah, I kind of wanted Great. it to be a bit like, um, I don't know, to kind of like show a bit of the vibe we have, like hopefully mm. a bit, you know, fun, modern. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. It just kind of felt right rather than, you know, doing some really awkward pun or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like typical kind of classical music boardroom name. Uh, Try to like very much not have that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we definitely wanted quite a sort of like fun, funky logo as well. Yes. Um, and Maddie came back with some designs for us and both Beth and I were like, wow, yeah, this is the one. <laughs> it's nice. so good. It's really bold and eye-catching. I love it. I, I see it often when it flicks up on Instagram and things like that it's a, it's a real good one so yeah well done yeah excellent oh, thanks. <laughs> I mean not sure I could take much credit for <laughs> the logo <laughs> but thanks yeah and when was the big launch it was quite recently wasn't it yeah it was back in the autumn back in November and we um we were very lucky to get the Royal Overseas League uh, to give us a beautiful space um, for it, which was great. And then we've got um, some associate um, artists that we, we, we work with as part of the as part of our company. Um, so they all performed. Um, those are Rosie Bergonzi. Um, uh, we've got Jane Salmon. We've got Imogen Whitehead. Um, is that everybody? We've got Elaine So as well. Oh, sorry, we've got Elaine So. And then we had um, Helen Volum joined us as well on trombone. Um, so it was the most amazing evening of just l- wonderful music making mm. um, and just hearing kind of up close and personal uh, these amazing women um, speak and play, uh, which was just, yeah, it was great. It went better than I think either Beth or I could have possibly dreamed of. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> the brass people in particular, because they, they played solo unaccompanied, um, partially cost related decision but um, <laughs> they I think Partially. they were a bit um, yeah <laughs> taken aback by that request and were very much like who wants to hear solo trombone I love it I'm total convert it's yeah. just so impressive isn't it especially the brass like I mean obviously maybe it's because I'm a percussionist I see it all the time but like to see that power yeah what it takes you- to make those sounds unbelievable brilliant what sort of stuff did they play a whole range of things really and um some pieces that were kind of you know, classical standard um, things, some which were a bit more jazzy, uh, some which were uh, written by female composers, which is great. Um, and then Rosie um, played an incredible improvised um, piece um, on the handpan, which was, I think everyone was just mesmerised by it, just yeah. just blew everyone away. It was beautiful. Yeah, that's her specialism. And Elaine played Bongo O, which is a sort of contemporary piece on some bongos, which is really cool. Um, <laughs> I played a marimba piece, played Michi by uh, Kaiko Abe. And Letty, you brought out your sort of plunger horn i'm sorry what my plunger horn yeah well exactly it's (laughs) it is a copy of a greek salpinx um which is this instrument that was used in the olympic games and the very first ever recorded female brass player she played this she was called aglais apparently she was absolutely massive because they were 
they were a re- they're really loud instruments. Um, and she loved eating loads of meat and drinking loads of wine. <laughs> she sounded awesome. She sounds so good. Um, and she played this really loud trumpet. So I thought, well, you know, I can't, I can't let the occasion pass without doing a good old blast on this ancient um, and very noisy um, horn. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I see, like, you know, you've got your plumber around at the moment fixing your toilet. Is there any way you can get get him to put in a bit of that? Put the trumpet, <laughs> plumb it in, basically. The plunger's there. <laughs> well, I have to say, we have, um, I think my, because my husband is a tuba player, um, and he's actually seen a tuba being used as a urinal before. Oh. I think he has got designs yeah. for our future bathroom. Was that so just, far, was that just in a student bar though? Like that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've all seen, we've all seen awful things. <laughs> I'm sure I've seen some Wagner tubas in a quite a nice uh, toilet before. No, I've not personally been there or used it, but I've seen it. it, it I think Vargan Tuba works quite well because it's got um, maybe a sousaphone <laughs> would be quite good as well. <laughs> if you need a bit more aim. I mean, you know, there, there are very flexible uh, instrument, brass instruments, lots, lots of many uses and uh, <laughs> designs. I can see a whole other wing of your business taking up here. It's good. <laughs> very niche. Brass, you're right. Very niche. Yeah. <laughs> might be quite as shiny by the end of it. Yeah. Maybe more shiny. <laughs> Um, sorry, we got onto the toilets early on. Sorry, um, so, <laughs> uh, but the yeah, so the the launch was a success. Did you have an audience there? Was it an online thing, or how did that work? No, sorry, you got to jump in, Beth. Yeah, no, it's right. I was basically going to say what you're going to say, but yeah, we had an audience, which was great, um, and we had a Q and A as well, which was quite an important part of it. Actually, a really important part of it because um, it was a mix of us and the performers playing and speaking relatively equal mix actually which is really important to us because you know it is about music it's all about music you know um and then yeah the audiences they were just brilliant their questions were just um really interesting and it was great to hear sort of the immediate response and you know it's quite a big ask I think asking performers to speak about um especially topics that so closely relate to them such as gender equality in front of a crowd and they all did so, so brilliantly. And yeah, the discussion at the end was really positive and really interesting, but also quite, um, I don't know, it got, it got to the bones, didn't it? Quite provocative in a way. Yeah, it was great. Definitely. And I think it kind of showed that people do want to engage with the kind of the real gritty end of what our company's about. People want to get stuck into the real issues um, and try and discuss what we can possibly do about them. I think there wasn't any skirting around um, the topics at the launch. And I think what was so nice is that everyone was kind of coming at it from the same angle, wanting to work together to, to find solutions or possible solutions to areas that we kind of addressed. Um, and it was a very nice mix of audience as well. We had a couple of people who just straight out of music college, uh, so kind of fresh graduates going into the profession, um, male and female, and then kind of people who've been in the industry for, for quite a bit longer. Um, and already from that launch, Beth and I have had lots of conversations, started lots of things. There's loads in the pli- pipeline for us, um, which is really exciting. So it does feel like that kind of galvanised um, the start of something, which which we hope will be will be really big. Yeah, God, that's so exciting. And I guess that those all those people that spoke and performed, they had all uh, received at some point in their careers some form of prejudice or experienced some inequality. Did they all have experiences to share? 
I mean, yeah, on a on a whole, yes. Obviously, everyone's experiences look and just are totally different, um, and I can't really speak for them. But yeah, everyone had something to offer, whether it is a very direct um, experience that had happened to them, you know, such as you know, sort of sexism in the most literal sense that you'd kind of imagine in the workplace etc and for some people it's more observations it just depends on your um, experience really but one thing I do find very often is when people first start speaking about this kind of thing sometimes they're very much like oh no no nothing like that's happened to me well actually there was this one time and actually now you mention it there was also this other time and you know what actually I found conservatory really hard and now I'm really thinking about it I've never really been able to be myself at work (laughs) it all just kind of comes out you know so I find that happens quite a lot as well but it was hugely mixed and even between myself and Letty I think we've had really different experiences but um that's the point isn't it like yeah everyone's got a different situation haven't they that's it. And I think it was so interesting to hear from people in careers to do with music, but from very different standpoints. So someone who's worked all the way through classical orchestra has been on trial, blah, 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 with, you know, a lot. is They're in a very different position to someone who perhaps works more administratively, who's thinking, well, okay, I've like had reports of harassment from, you know, members of an orchestra or whatever. What do I do with that? I think it's it's looking at those all of those different areas. And of course, the issue that we're talking about, it's not one issue. It's massively connected to absolutely everything else. So it's those kind of subtler points. Um, Nuance is a word that Beth and I use all the time. Um, And it's kind of looking at those nuance areas that have kind of lots of things attached to them. For example, motherhood, pregnancy at work, um, discrimination towards towards women. We've had a really great chat with Hilary Belsey um, about this and kind of just exploring what the position is, because I think with a lot of these issues, you don't necessarily know whether you're being targeted because you're a woman, because you're a pregnant woman, because you're a mother, because you're asking for childcare, because you're a musician. You know, it's there's a lot of different angles which 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 this kind of feeds into, and it's trying to unpick those threads to work out what what is going on. Yeah, I heard you saying that actually in an interview about that. It's really interesting about all those tiny. It's like just digging at tiny little bits of different areas and and the cumulative effect it'll have across the board. So just, I mean, how have you found your re- the reception's been since since you've got going to the company and from your peers um, and people working around you? Have you been, has it been a positive reception? Yeah, wholeheartedly, yeah. Brilliant. I, I get asked that quite often. I think it's people expect... Um, that maybe I'll get kicked back, but to be honest, no. Good. <laughs> I mean, you just have to look at the stats to see, you know, what needs to change and what needs to happen. Um, I'm sure that there is some chatting behind closed doors, etc., about what we're doing. And I'm sure there might be, you know, some fear and anxiety. I think a lot of musicians, especially now, have fear and anxiety about security of work, something I totally relate to and understand. Um, but in general, all the direct feedback has been very, very positive. And yeah, people just want to do right by people, I think, you know? I think so. And I think the um, the main ethos of our company is to is to kind of come at this from a positive angle of like, what can we do to make this better? How can we highlight women who are already working top level as brilliant musicians? How can we just give them a bit more airtime, raise their profile slightly? So I think the way, the way that we've come at it is 
hopefully very accessible to absolutely everybody. We don't want to alienate anyone, especially men, from joining the conversation. And we want to come at this from a a very positive point of view, even though a lot of the, the issues we're talking about are very serious. I think as well, something that really came up from the the launch and this idea that Beth's worked on, which I absolutely love, is the idea of having a peer hero and women supporting other women in the profession. Um, and Beth was um, and Rosie, they've got written an article together. It's a brilliant article that was featured in the MU um, about being each other's peer heroes and just promoting and championing that other person. Um, and that's something that I think I've definitely had a lot more conversations with other horn players um, to say, just so you know, like I, I would do that for you. And it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, I would do that for you too. And I think that sort of like just acknowledging that there is that support or that there could be that support um, as a framework. I think that's something that has, for me, really come out of the launch. A lot more people have sort of said, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I like that. Um, and yeah, I, I would do that for you, which I think is lovely. Yeah, it's literally about being able to be yourself and have a good time at work. And I just don't think that's very polarizing. No, I mean, yeah. it's not. And also, not much to ask, I don't agree really. With this yeah, at all. yeah. So, <laughs> as speaking as a man, yeah. uh, I hate this. I don't like this. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, I think that's interesting because it's obviously. Um, it's a tough thing to be against because it's just about being being nice and empathetic and it's not coming from a vindictive place like it's not like there's all the men going well I don't want to have any women in the in this orchestra I don't think it's, I mean uh, obviously there, like, there are some sexist men obviously well that's yeah that's um but on the whole it I do think it is more um you know for example with this we've got an interview coming out with Hillary what we mentioned before and um people assume that she doesn't want to work after she's had a baby that's one thing that came out of that a lot but she has always kind of wanted to jump back into work and obviously it's everyone's individual decision as to what they want to do in that moment but she actually had experiences where she'd met you know a composer or whatever and they said oh right oh you're working kind of surprised um so yeah, that's obviously an issue because the choice was taken away from her there. I think it's very much a kind of perception shift. And just on that same issue, um, looking at Hillary's situation, she was saying that the the perception for men would be, oh, wow, that guy's just had a baby. Of course he needs the work. Like, let's offer him any work that's going first. And I think it's, it's these kind of... Um, it's the, these these ideas that that are they're they're very strongly rooted that for a woman why would you go back to work you just had a baby um, whereas for a man you've just had a baby wow you must be working all the time to kind of provide and it's they're they're ingrained stereotypes um, that aren't necessarily to do with a preference or a choice that either person has has necessarily expressed the man might want to stay at home and be a stay at home dad the woman might want to go straight away to, back to work it's I think it's it's that that idea of choice and people being presented with options and choices so that they, they can make their own individual decisions according to what they they really want to do. So yeah, I think coming back to your idea of kind of groups and cliques, that is something that definitely exists within brass and percussion worlds. Sometimes those are really negative cliques uh, to do with a drinking culture, um, kind of lad culture. Sometimes those are kind of softer cliques to do with kind of having children and sort of preferences and, and decisions. But I think all of it kind of needs a bit of unpacking, um, which is what we're we're sort of slowly trying to do. Yeah, definitely. 
And I guess it's also about challenging assumptions and just taking people as individuals. Like with the clique sort of culture, I've definitely felt when I've sat in in orchestras and stuff like that, sometimes the very sort of lad culture cliques, just my very presence makes them feel like they can't have as much fun. Like I've seen that a couple of times. And I, I was actually chatting to another percussionist recently with her husband, who's a trombone player. And he like, well, he's actually an ex-trombone player, which may be why he could speak more freely about it. But he actually totally agreed. He was like, yeah, you know, when we used to go on tour, whatever, we'd be like, oh, yeah, let's ring around the lads. Like, who's going to be fun? It's not about, oh, who's going to play this music well? Who's got the passion for the project? Let's just get on. Who's going to, you know, be going out or whatever. And he's sort of said, yeah, like sometimes if there is a woman there, it changes things for us. And it was really interesting kind of hearing it from the horse's mouth because I felt that from the other side, you know, they don't know anything about me. I could be so fun. I like to have a laugh, you know, but even just my presence, they're like, oh no, we can't say that. Oh no, we can't do that swear word, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, that's really difficult, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah little, did they, that? little they'd know that you had a, you know, a mouth like a trooper, swore like a trooper <laughs> and <laughs> 10 pints under the table, but there we are. Yeah. I'd say I think you're a natural brass player, Verity, at heart. <laughs> well, thanks ever so much. I don't know how to take that lesson. <laughs> I, I have you know, I, I did dabble with the baritone horn for a while, but, you know, just, oh, just saying, yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but so did you guys, have you found then with those elements, um, this kind of the cliquey thing that we're talking about, the the sort of attitude in general, has this directly affected both of your careers in certain ways that you've taken different paths maybe than you would have thought you might have gone through when you were studying? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, yes, like definitely yes. <laughs> right. Um, so I mainly really work in theatre and by theatre it's really kind of mainly Shakespeare's Globe and the National rather than West End stuff. The West End is obviously another um, area which is really problematic for women. But I actually did a orchestral master's. But one of the things I learned from that was just I didn't really want to be in an orchestra, really. So <laughs> it didn't quite have the outcome that I think the um, conservatoire were hoping for. And there was a number of reasons why. You know, I love orchestral playing. I still do play orchestrally sometimes. In general, my musical interests are broader than just classical music. So that did have a massive hand in it. They always have been. I'm not a very, like, straight-up classical kind of person, historically. But alongside it was the sort of coldness I had received from sitting in orchestras and you know the orchestra that was partnered with the conservatory I went to and just the feeling of not belonging and obviously we're all aware about how hard it is to get into these orchestras and I just thought do I really want to spend a life working on orchestral excerpts which to be honest are so boring (laughs) especially on percussion just imagine playing snare drum just practicing <laughs> snare drum and xylophone yeah. like they're the oh just so dry and then you know for snare drum what's your snare drum excerpt i mean there's loads some of them are really easy like bolero i mean this is outrageous to say this all the percussions be like shh what are you doing <laughs> it's, it's basically quite easy but you just have to have guts to be able to kind of start very quietly but there's loads like Scheherazade's quite a big one um yeah you know kind of expect stuff peak dam Oh, gosh. You know, I just couldn't think, I I just can't spend a life doing excerpts, then doing a load of auditions. Some of the experiences I'm sure would be relatively traumatic to then probably not really get anything, potentially get a trial. And then, you know, 
I'm kind of thinking, depending on the people who are in the section, is a trial really going to help the chance of someone who doesn't look like them and doesn't fit in with them? Probably not. So it just felt like a lot of effort and work for something I'm not even sure I wanted, you know? Yeah. And Letty? (laughs) Um, Not a million miles away from Beth's uh, experience. And I think like Beth, I do do orchestral playing, but it's never it's never quite felt comfortable and it's never quite sat as sort of like, oh, wow, gosh, this is like the thing to aim for above all all else. Um, like Beth, I do a lot of work in theatre and I like the creativity that that affords. Um, I also have kind of felt very lucky to do things that are extremely varied. Um, and I think that variety and kind of spice of life type things, um, to me, you, you can't, quite find um just going down a kind of standard orchestral route so yeah like Beth I did an orchestral masters and (laughs) (laughs) kind of realized that maybe that wasn't quite the uh quite the dream that I was I was heading for um but like Beth has said I think you know kind of um all all sort of uh, silliness aside it is it's looking at that that progression that pathway and the amount of training that goes on at music college everyone just aiming for that one principal job, which may or may not ever come up, um, going in that direction. And e- even if you get past that audition stage, you get through that trial stage, will you as a woman be treated fairly at trial stage? Will you actually have the same chance of getting that job at the end of the day as your the male trialists um, on, 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 on trial alongside you? I don't know. Um, but the number of women who are sitting in those orchestral jobs on the back row would indicate that no, it's the trial process isn't quite fair, um, and you are less likely to get that that principal job at the end of it. So, um, do you, I was just to jump in there, would you say that that is the stage then at which that you start seeing the inequality in its uh, most polarized form? Do you think, or is it earlier on in development? I'm just wondering. I think. Do you, I mean, for example, <clears throat> at the very beginning of in education, would you say that kids are taking um, learning? Girls and boys are equally learning percussion instruments and brass instruments. Yeah, I, I, I would go so far as to say as there is not really a problem um, in the, the the sort of youth stages. Right. Uh, both Beth and I are trustees of the National Children's Orchestra and looking at the NCO numbers um, of, of children who are really great at their instruments, um, there are there are plenty of girls represented in those sections. Beth and I both work actively as teachers and educators, and we have loads of pupils who are female. I think what we've noticed is that conservatoire stage, that's really quite problematic. And it looks like it's at that sort of point that something happens, whether that's a kind of ideological thing of like, oh, wow, you must only go for this principal job in an orchestra alongside all these men. And girls kind of think, well, oh, there's no one that looks like me in that section. (laughs) Should I even be here? The lack of female teachers at conservatoires, I think, is a real issue that we've identified as being something that, again, if girls are going to music college, they're sort of looking at their teacher lineup and thinking, oh, yeah, lots of uh, older white men. Do, do I even want to be here? And then that next stage of kind of auditions, trialing, going into the profession, I think that's where the drop-off point really hits. That's that's one kind of drop-off area, conservatoires, and then just post. And I think there's another um, kind of drop-off, which is around my age, which is when women look to have a family. Um, and again, all these other issues to do with pregnancy and um, maternity leave, 
non-existent if you are a freelancer. It's where all these other things start to kick in as well. So to me, it's those, it's those two points at which women are just leaving. Right. Yeah. Do you think the, the general focus on getting an orchestral job is one of the problems with the, uh, with the conservatoire training because of that thing of, of, of women not seeing any role models and thinking, well, maybe I just can't be a musician when actually there's, there's just like millions more things you could do. It's always been something I've, I've wondered because that does seem to be the case in most conservatoires about getting to be principal of, of the LSO or whatever. Obviously that's, that's only possible for one person or two people maybe, but is it actually that, is it good to have that lev- that thing to aim for? Um, or is that a problem in itself? Because actually that's not, that's not the best job you could have. The best job could be doing loads of theatre and doing loads of different things and meeting lots of people, which is what I would, I would say as well. So I think does does there need to be a, a, a massive shift in the way things are taught? Um, what, what are your thoughts? So I, bet, I bet you've thought about this quite a lot. Mm. I know I have. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I agree with you. And I think it's an issue for everyone. I don't think that is a gender-specific issue. I think where it comes into gender is... Um, one problem for me is at the moment, it seems that if you have a job in an orchestra, especially a principal job, you can kind of get a job teaching a conservatoire, like no probs. That's kind of what it looks like. Like No matter how good a teacher you are, no matter what kind of person you are, there you are because you, you bring in students who want to essentially be you in the future. That's a big problem for me because it doesn't even necessarily mean they're good teachers. should be a big problem for everyone. Um and also, yeah, there's just no vetting on who these people are. And the ones that I know to be problematic generally hold high up positions in London-based orchestras. Um, but yeah, in, as a general, I think it's a problem. I think it's a very hierarchical view. Like, I don't see any reason why my my career should be viewed as less prestigious as someone who's got a full-time position in an orchestra. You know, I try to be generally busy. I do interesting projects. To us, I don't think I earn very differently to someone who's in an orchestra. So yeah, I just don't really see why that view is still held. Yeah, such a weird mindset. It's so, I find that so peculiar. I, I remember exactly that same thing that you, you start and you're basically told, well, this is where you're going to go. This is the trajectory. I remember my t- one of my teachers saying to me about it, well, what you'll probably do is be sitting rank, you can sit rank and file in an orchestra. Da, 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 da. I was thinking, well, is that really what I'm doing all this work for? It's crazy. Rank and file. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that bad, I know it, it did. <laughs> it just That's even the way yeah, it just makes me feel so sad. <laughs> I mean, it's great, but I know I was the same as you, Beth. I didn't ever really feel like that was a path that didn't excite me. It's all the other kind of stuff: mm. meeting people, mm. doing loads of different, being creative. You know, so yeah, I don't get it. I don't know why that is still a a thing, to be honest. Mm. I mean, obviously, you have to pay, play to a high standard to get into an orchestra, and that feeds yeah. into it. But um, I try to play to as high a standard as I possibly can as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is this is definitely something that we're kind of teasing out with our um, with our company. And the what was so brilliant about our launch was the completely unquestionable brilliance of everyone on that stage performing musically. So I think I think what has to happen is that there is this really high standard of music making at all times. That goes without saying. However, yeah, like not everyone can be in an orchestra anyway. Would you necessarily want to be? Um, There is so much room for creativity and scope in a lot of other avenues, which at the moment, I think music college 
completely ignores. Um, and I think you are perceived as having failed in some way if you are not sitting in an orchestral job. Now, orchestral jobs, they don't pay that well. <laughs> uh, so financial re- remuneration isn't that great. You're never doing something that's actually yours and you have ownership creatively of um, in, in, in many ways. You're playing pieces of music that have existed for hundreds of years, been done a certain way. And then you don't get to you don't get to take on things that you you might otherwise want to do. So yeah, I think it's 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 a bit baffling to me why that is and re- has remained the the kind of main focus of conservatoires when there are just so many other options. And certainly hearing all of our our musical um, ambassadors speak as part of Galsey, it's it's fascinating to hear people's views on things and why they went into music to start with what's what motivates them it's it's very easy to kind of lose sight of of individuals in a in a big group like an orchestra and i think it's no surprise that a lot of a lot of musicians perhaps as a result of the pandemic or that they just wanted a bit of a change anyway have started branching out like you two uh, starting podcasts and really going in different directions to explore what there is else to music. I think to me, that's really exciting. It's like, what do we do next? Uh, we've come this far. We've got this classical canon of, of things that's built up. Great. Where do we then take it? What's the future? There's a world of possibilities, isn't there? I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's vast. Well, I'm, I'm currently uh, grappling with uh, whether or not to do an audition for something. Uh, and uh, it was it's for an orchestra that I've played with quite a lot. And the job came up before the lockdown. I was going to do an audition. I thought, well, I might as well do it because I'm working there. I don't want to uh, lose my place on the extra list because I like working there. So I'll go for it. Um, and I'm meant to be doing it in like two weeks and I haven't, <laughs> I haven't practiced. I mean, cause I, I, but really I don't, I don't want that job at all. I mean, like, it'd be nice to have maybe if I'm older, a bit like it'll do my last 10 years there or something, but, but it's just because I've got this ingrained thing in, in me, like, Oh, well you, sh- you should go for this job, you know, but really you think about it, you get like some security that you've got some work, but it's just going to be a nightmare, isn't it? It's going to be like just worrying about the next piece. I'm like, I can't play. I'm, like, I'm knackered. I've got to play this really difficult thing tomorrow. So, um, yeah, so, I, you know, even as someone who I, I really love my career, as, as like, it's a similar kind of thing to you guys, lots of different stuff, but I'm still lured in by it, by that that orchestral job thing. Mm. So I think it's also, you know, for many people, if they, if that is the dream, I think that's absolutely fine. Of course, um, absolutely. It's just that that is that is one thing yeah. out of this huge scope um, of things you can do with music, and I think I think that's what conservatoires needs to acknowledge, um, and totally. that needs to be represented with the teaching staff. And Beth and I were kind of brainstorming, you know, what can conservatoires do to to quickly change this they can't fire all the teaching staff that would be wrong um but what could so easily happen is just to include mentors to have people professionals who can be ad hoc teaching staff can come in and can just offer students a change or something a bit different um just to kind of mix it up i think it's fine if it's if the conservatoire model you know, it, they, they do, they teach in the same way that they, that they have always taught, but that's not, that cannot be the only way. I think going forwards, it's, it's, it's not preparing those, those students in any way for their musical future because 10% of them go into orchestras. If that, I would, I would imagine everyone else has got to find work, has got to be realistically going out, getting jobs, doing something that hopefully they love within that profession. And I think, 
um, to involve mentors uh, could be a very quick, very cost-effective and really effective way um, of conservatoires just changing that focus instantly. Yeah. That's such a great idea. Yeah. They just need to have more diversity of all kinds, whether that's about characteristic or whether that's about career path and, you know, having a representation of freelance people, of people who make their own work, of people who work in theatre, I think is really important. But yeah, I mean, it's just really interesting, isn't it, Seb? Like, there is a draw for people and, you know, we have no shade against people who want to go for an orchestral career. I hope that goes without saying, like, you know, it's important that we have these top orchestras making top quality, you know, art music. Um, but yeah, it's just very narrow that everyone should be pushed down there. Um, and yeah, are you going to do the audition? <laughs> I don't, I don't think I am. No, it doesn't because sound I, it. it doesn't I don't sound think I am. It. No, but that's it. You've got to really want it, haven't you? To, to yeah, go for an audition. of course. Like, yeah, clearly something's telling you. All day yeah, and... something inside you saying you don't want to do it. Otherwise, you'd be practicing no. all the time I if you really wanted yeah. it, wouldn't you? Well, that's it, and I, I wouldn't be able to do. I mean, what if I got asked to do something? You know, a new show somewhere or a new whatever. I, I, I can't. Yeah. I think so. this idea of kind of orchestras wanting and people wanting to be more diverse and more kind of inclusive is I I, I think everyone agrees. It's just kind of what we what we do about it. Yeah. Mm. And Beth and I were both um we spoke at the ABO conference um a couple of weeks ago and there was a huge focus on diversity, inclusion, and just looking at what orchestras can do to to kind of move forward and what the music profession can do to move forward. So it feels to me like this is an area that everyone has kind of agreed, okay, now is time for a change. And especially kind of post-pandemic, I think we can start to put those those changes into practice if conservatoires, et cetera, will, will sign up to it. Yeah. Are you able mm. to get in there? Are you guys, have you guys got meetings with conservatoires or have you managed, you've got, um, have you managed to lure them in to come and speak to you yet? We've spoken to a couple of conservatoires and actually we've got some funding from Guildhall to do a little project in the summer um, for young girls and women in percussion and brass, a couple of workshop days. Oh, so that's that'd be great. Lovely. So it's great to have their support. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do need to push the conservatoires a bit more. They're very aware that we're here. We have to try and find the time. Obviously, it's quite tricky to um, run this alongside (laughs) a full-time music career. I'm sure you guys can relate doing this. But, um, you know, I do think it's something we could potentially get. The other thing is it is a tough time for conservatoires, you know, especially with what's happened with the pandemic, et cetera. So, you know, obviously people should be prioritising this and people want to. It's just about really nailing things down isn't it but at this point because we only launched in november currently it's meetings all the time it's funding applications it's you know pipeline (laughs) stuff (laughs) which hopefully you'll see evidence of in a couple of months how Uh, are those applications going guys (laughs) you know we're quite lucky in that we do have some support via partnerships so we're actually um we've got a partnership with a wonderful charity i do quite a lot of work with called creative futures um who do a lot of especially early years actually but general um education work so we're trying to put together a bid with them to do actually a community project with um women actually specifically migrant women in greenwich to do a brass band essentially because obviously we've got in our palms a community model which has been successful for generations you know the brass band is a brilliant thing and we kind of want to re 
take ownership of it, don't we? We want to run with brass bands and just make brass bands that look a bit different to what we're used to. Well, and there's no person who can uh, talk about this better than Seb. Brass <laughs> bands, <laughs> yeah. those brasters have changed the face um, of <laughs> of brass. Think? I think it's this this idea we want to kind of channel. You know, my husband plays yeah. for Hackney Colliery Band. Yeah, um, brass can be this really fun, super exciting opportunity for yeah. everyone to get involved. And yeah, Seb, if you've got any other ideas about uh, starting brass bands, <laughs> oh my god! I mean, yeah, that that I mean, really, in my career, that's been the best thing I've done. Oh. It's been and me nice. being part of a team yeah exactly um, and uh that's the best thing because it's you stand on stage you take a bow with all your mates mm-hmm. and it's uh and that's wonderful and we've got such a lovely pool of players that we use it's um you know it's it's a real sort of family quite often you just play anything on brass it's like a bit different or, or percussion as well you know um and it just sounds good immediately. You don't really have to do any creative arranging. It's just, you just basically transcribe the song. And you can, as you guys know, as educators, you know, you can just adapt things to be a bit easier. Have you looked at sort of what kind of lineup you're going to have? Um, what is it going to be like? Whatever you've got, like whatever instruments you've got, whatever personnel you've got, how's it going to I suspect work? it will be a bit of a mishmash of whatever um, instruments we can pull together, um, if we can get some pots of money to buy a few. But this is, again, a really great thing about brass and percussion, that it's not expensive uh, relative to other instruments um, to try and get something off the ground. Um, and like you say, you can get something that sounds pretty cool together quite quickly. Um, and I think, yeah, to me, the, the sort of New Orleans... Uh, brass band model hasn't been tapped enough um, over here. I think there's there's so many exciting things you can do. Obviously, you can walk and play brass instruments. You can play them outside. I don't mind getting a little bit soggy at times um, for UK (laughs) festivals. Um, And I think, yeah, I think that could be a really exciting way for us to go, to take all of the really good things about banding, that community kind of huge age range of people, um, families learning together and the discipline of learning in a brass band, um, playing together several times a week and kind of growing up um, with, with, with people through a band, but then giving it our own spin um and just making it a bit more a bit more creative a bit more funky mm. at the same time have you have you been over to new orleans so i actually got married in september and our honeymoon destination is when are you going <laughs> when's it gonna be lovely we, we were really hoping to try and go this this year but i don't know whether it will happen but at some point we are definitely getting over there oh yeah. <laughs> so good brilliant Come on. oh great well that, i mean that's um I, I went there for a couple of days uh, a few years ago and uh it was just amazing and you you i mean look, all the bars have got bands playing but you go out in the street <laughs> and there's just some brass band playing oh, just that's cool you know and they're just uh, you know selling albums on you know out of a bag and stuff and and all ages and and so i mean they're predominantly black over there you know or very diverse it, it's so it's so different to like my experience of of brass you know especially mm. playing in an orchestra or something mm. and just the the freedom of it you know i think you know coming up through a conservatoire uh model uh, sort of education that all the all the kind of baggage you get given mm. or you must do play in this way or stand in this way and and um you know looking at it from my perspective it's like you know it seems like these these you know, young kids have just been given instruments. It's like, just play this. And they're just playing it in the way they, they are. And mm-hmm. they're just expressing themselves. Yeah. And, uh, how empowering mm. is that? You know, totally. It's, it's so exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely something to do with identity, isn't it? Like, I wonder how 
musicians would answer if you asked them, does the music you play speak to your identity? Do you know what I mean? And yeah, that has totally formed where I take my career path. I think some people would be like, oh my gosh, actually it doesn't. They might have a bit of an existential crisis. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, you know, what a, what a great question to ask a student, you know. And, you know, these, these are sorts of questions that you could use in mentoring. I've been doing a bit of coaching training, so um, I'm feeling primed to get some mentoring off the ground. But, you know, I just think that's such an important question, like for sort of satisfaction in what you do and in your life. And obviously, you know, sometimes we go to work and you've got to make the money. You're not going to be doing the dream gig all the time but you know surely at some point in your week or in your month you should be playing some music that speaks specifically to you you know yeah absolutely I think we've really lost sight of that well not all of us and actually if we're like it's a joy isn't it when things are when you're doing things you love doing and playing but I definitely think there's a big element of like just trudging through and playing yeah totally yeah sort of forgetting the whole reason you started exactly because music is a it's a hard career path to go down there's not much work you have to be really kind of seeking it out um constantly why do that why bother to do that um if it's playing music that doesn't mean anything to you that you're not that into um when there are so many options or you could perhaps be pursuing a path where you're playing something that you absolutely love that you think, wow, this is, this is totally where I need to be. I did a production of Macbeth at the National Theatre, um, a few years ago, post pandemic and they, um, pre-pandemic they, they built, I'm oh, sorry, pre-pandemic. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't God, worry. You know, like, it t- doesn't take us that long to get these episodes out. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Edit. <laughs> um, and they, um, I was working with this instrument builder, the first, the very first session was we went up to this room in the in the bowels of the National Theatre. There's there's so many rooms that I can't even remember how to get to. Um, went to this room, and in this room, he basically had a selection of bits of plumbing, drain pipes, hose pipes, buckets filled with little bits of plastic, some pipes that he'd taken off an organ, and he was like, right can you play this? <laughs> at that moment, I was like, wow, this is my, this is my dream gig. <laughs> and then I got given this green costume, a heavily embroidered, I looked like part of a, a bush or a shrub. Um, and I had to try and play these bonkers instruments that have been kind of made for an, a, a sort of post-apocalyptic world. Um, Letty, was, this, come in handy was this a dream? <laughs> Did this really happen? Or? No, I'll send you a picture, it actually happened. But that kind of thing, you know, you, I think when you open your eyes to what else is there, to me, day one, I was like, goodness, this could not be a better project for me. This is, this is making me creatively and artistically just, I'm absolutely ecstatically happy. (laughs) And to find that as a musician is so exciting. And I would never have got that if I hadn't kind of opened my eyes to what else is out there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. completely. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we we want to be encouraging women uh, and non-binary people to go for jobs in orchestras. Yeah, absolutely. For, for, the representation to be there oh yeah I mean and I do you know this is it's a really tricky one because sometimes people say that to me they're like well shouldn't you be trying to be that person and I say I do want women to be in auctions of course I do I don't want that person to be me but yes I want other people to be going for it and the reasons I've said against it are reasons that are very specific to me and my personality and my upbringing my getting into music do you know what I mean like as I said at the very beginning I've not had the most strictly classical route. So it was never really going to be my key interest, I think. Um, But, you know, I would really love to think 
that, you know, a woman could get a position, especially in one of the sections we've been speaking about, and have a really happy and fulfilling career. And we know that some of them do. Obviously, Helen's very happy, you know. Um, it does happen. And, yeah, wholeheartedly encourage people to go for it. At the same time, I do think some things need to change to make that possibility more attractive and once they get there, more inclusive. Um, but, yeah, definitely. I'd love to see that change. And I think that's what's so nice about our range of ambassadors, that they all come from such different musical backgrounds. And certainly someone um, like Imogen Whitehead, who's a, just the amazing trumpeter. She's so good. She's, she's on trial with tons oh, of orchestras at the moment. She will definitely get a job with someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's just for, for us, it's kind of highlighting those women um, yeah. so that anyone who wants to follow in, in that career path can see that there's someone that's just that notch above them um, as a role model. Um, and what did she say? Her, uh, did she share experiences herself? How has she found the whole process of auditioning and trialling at places? Well, yeah, I mean, I really don't feel I can speak to her experience, but um, yeah, that might be one you have to put to her Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking, actually, she might not. (laughs) I might thank us for that. What did she Um, tell you? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I I think the other thing that, to be honest, the best thing I think that's come out of doing this kind of work, because I I was doing gender advocacy work before Gowsey was established in November, but the best thing that's come out of it is the amount of women who want to talk to me and Letty and other women. And um, I've hosted some <clears throat> sort of networking events um, for women who play brass and percussion. I did one for stage managers as well. And um, that was with um, Swapra, who are supporting women and parents in opera. And I think that makes the world of difference for those who want to go for the careers that might feel a bit sticky at the moment to have that support and the knowledge that there are people out there who are thinking about this, are wanting them to have a good time at work, are there to talk, all those sorts of things. Whose cat was that? That was mine. (laughs) Every, every time, every single time. I don't know how she's got in. I've closed the door. She's terrified. She's here. She has to take part, make her voice heard. Yeah. We need to be inclusive to all humans and animals. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah, she's definitely making a point. I tell you what, I'll bring her along. I'll bring my baritone horn. We'll have a jolly old time. It'll be good. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think the network can make the world a difference. And I have a huge amount of satisfaction where I hear stories like, um, I know four female percussionists that did some work together a couple of weeks ago, and they none of them met each other before, apart from on a Zoom I'd hosted. And that just felt so nice because they'd already kind of seen each other. They got got a bit of the sort of like, you know, when you first meet another musician, especially maybe someone on your instrument, you're always a bit like, oh, I hope they're not going to be a bit, you know, defensive. I hope there's not going to be a slight competitive vibe. That I don't think was there because they'd already spoken. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I actually started this work by doing a round table discussion, which I hosted at Wigmore Hall. Can't remember now, back in... Uh, a few years ago um and I invited people from industry and also some percussionists there and obviously you know great conversations came out of it it really kick-started this sort of you know conversation in general but the best thing for me that happened was a percussionist came who I hadn't met before and she kind of you know didn't say much but was there in the round table you know listening in etc 
And I saw her again a couple of years later on a gig where there was 11 percussionists because it was a big piece. Um, I think there was three of us who were women, uh, which to be honest, it could have been worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She literally ran up to me and was like, I am so happy you're here. And like, she doesn't oh. really know me. We'd only met that one other time. And I just knew it's because she knows I'm not going to be sitting there judging her. I'm a bit of an ally. You know, if someone is making a joke at her expense, I'm going to be someone who's maybe not laughing. You know, she just knew there was someone there that's going to disrupt a culture that she potentially didn't really want to sit in that day. And that was really valuable. That's amazing. And it's what you're wow. saying there, that disruption, just breaking those little patterns and cycles that will really really help make a difference there won't it yeah and it's just you know it's like just showing up and being a face for something and I think Beth and I we don't shy away from difficult conversations we never would but I think for people to know that someone is doing something about it or like someone is trying to to make things in some way better or to try and change the system in some way shape or form we can't fix this ourselves overnight absolutely not but at the same time it's starting those conversations and people knowing that that we're on side we're speaking at a women's breakfast um at south bank center soon and i think just those kind of events where there's the possibility for people to get involved are really great they can come and talk to us and be part of it but those kind of, kind of events are important but i think it's also just kind of beth and i making our presence felt a little bit so that people know that we we're there as this positive force of musicians who are open and listening and wanting to kind of make small changes to try and try and help um, some of some of these issues. I think it's that representation that's that's important. I think the mentorship idea is such a brilliant one because um, you know so often you just you just need a bit of advice as you're as you're studying about not not even to do with your like instrument and how you play your instrument. It's just those other things of just how you how you work as a freelancer or if you're trying to get an orchestral job, certain ways to act in certain situations, like how, you know, what time to get to a session mm, or yeah. how to, how to use a, you know, a microphone mm-hmm. or, or, or all those things that <laughs> totally. you don't get, you don't really get taught that. Um, people always yeah. use as a reference, um, as an example, like how to do a tax return and things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. The real world stuff really. Yeah. Um, and I, that would have been so useful for me. It would have been it'd be useful for every single person. Yeah. I mean, you're you're going through the sort of route of doing through conservatoires. Um, it hopefully that gets a take up because that would be the perfect place. But if not, I mean, I guess it, you could do it. You know, I don't know if you could do it an independent thing where people could could sign up to be a mentor, or and then people could sign up to have a mentor. And I, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think so, and I totally agree with you. Like I remember. Yeah, starting out in the profession and feeling embarrassed about, you know, not knowing how to do a sound check, things like that, yeah, things you don't get yeah. taught. And yeah, having that mentor to be like, all right, I don't want to look like an idiot, you know, <laughs> I don't want yeah. to look, yeah. you know, you, don't, you never want it to look like it's your first sound check, even if it is. And really, obviously, we should be accepting of people who are early on in their career stages. But yeah, you, you saying that has really taken me back to those moments of like, oh, I'm yeah. inexperienced, yeah, like, you know. What, what do you ask for in your monitors? Yeah, like, stuff like yeah. that. What, yeah. Like, how are you meant to know? Because like, you, you, if you go, oh, I want that, people will go, why do you want that? That's weird. Mm. Um, you know, knowing knowing those things, um, 
Also, what so do you play? Right, I know this is a daft one, yeah. but like, yeah, what do you what play? Do you in play? Yeah, the sound check. Totally. So I don't. I mean, let's pitch this right. If it sounds terrible, everyone's going to be like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go too flashy though. I don't want to be showing off. It's a hard yeah. balance to hit, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's there's so much stuff that's like that just happens that is not spoken, and you you kind of only work it out if you've done a few or or you've put worst case put your foot in it and I think I I do remember actually a few years ago doing a recording session um at a big studios and there was this girl on um playing horn and she didn't know she clearly it was her first time didn't know quite what to do got in a little bit of a pickle with a few things and after that session it was before we started Galsy I remember vividly thinking how could I have made that experience better? And because I, f- I felt really guilty that I I could see that she was a bit struggling. I didn't know what to do at the time. Um, but I think you're right, Seb, that there is, there's definitely a market or a niche for working in some way with those younger players coming through to help them. Um, because it's, those are areas that everyone, male or female, are, are going to find um, a little bit sticky. But that yeah, conservatoire doesn't necessarily prepare you for, um, and that the odd odd kind word or just like yeah, don't play the beginning of Strauss one in your yeah. sound check. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I just remembered something that happened uh, for me. Um, it was a, a session at, at Air, so I was a bit nervous. You know, um, I won't say what it was because uh, uh, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> they, they said they said four, three to two three two which means four beats before they'll give you four beats into bar two three two but in my head it was just a load of numbers mm. it was like four three two, two. <laughs> i was like what the, what and then and it started you know because it come you know and then it's like and then i just didn't play the bit <laughs> like that's there's a video game very prominent video game there's a there's a third trumpet part missing no. Oh no! <laughs> Man, there's oh. going to be some such um, disgruntled gamers out there. Yeah, I don't need to do that. Furious. Yeah. Things like that. It's just like it's pure like lingo. You got to know, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the things they say, and I just yeah. didn't know it. Like, not when would anyone have taught me that? Mm. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's such a good case for diversity in general because I do wholeheartedly believe that focus on diversity first makes things better for everyone because it is so much about the individual and you know bringing in people's individual experiences taking them as they are whether they are day one on their session or not um my this is a bit of a tangent but my dad is a retired town planner and when he used to write you know town planning bids the way you would generally write them would be like first chapter roads that was always first next one you know transport public transport next one maybe the environment and then at the very end it'll be access but he flipped it so he put access first because he's thinking okay well if I make a network accessible for a wheelchair user it's also accessible for someone with a buggy someone with shopping someone with you know a suitcase it helps loads of other people you know if I make something more accessible to someone who maybe needs to read signage makes it more accessible for someone who can't speak the language very well do you know what I mean it has such a bigger larger impact on the whole community and like you know we're obviously speaking about mentoring for young women but it should be an offer for everyone you know a very an actual helpful mentor you know yeah I think that's that's so true and everything that 
it's like that classic thing of, you know, you, if you're working in an education setting, you should ideally make something that is that is inclusive and adaptable to anybody. So if there's extra needs that need to be addressed, they are completely, they're covered within that whole framework. And yeah, like Beth saying, I think that a kind of diverse and inclusive approach, it can only be a benefit for absolutely everybody. And I think everyone would probably agree that that's a better, it's a better model because then it's, it's just, it's, it's just relatable um, to, to anyone wanting to get involved. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What can someone like me, a, a white man, what, what can I do? Uh, obviously, it's up to me to, to work that out for myself, I suppose. But um, but are there spe- specific things that I can do to uh, to help the situation? I mean, like, just be a kind, good person, I think is number one on the list. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, it sounds obvious. Like, you know, yeah, right. don't make a joke. Write it down, Seb. If you don't know them. All right. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, get your notepad out. Um, don't make a joke. I mean, it feels ridiculous <laughs> to even say it, but I mean, yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, probably yeah. tough, isn't it? What else do yeah. you reckon, Letty? Well, I think specifically to do with brass, I think it's just that thing of kind of keeping people in mind. The freelance world is very much um, people suggesting friends and colleagues to work. And I think as a male brass player, Seb, I'd be astonished if you didn't know a load of female trumpeters um, as well. So it's just that thing of if someone says, oh, who should book for this? It's kind of that that thing of thinking like, a, who's the most suitable for the work in terms of musical um, performer and would is it up their street? Is it their bag? But then maybe number two, like if there's a choice between a female and a male player, possibly thinking, okay, well, perhaps we'll give it to the female player or or just kind of having that in, in, in mind. Um, what I don't really like is going to watch anything. And there's only men playing in the brass section. Um, to, to me, that immediately makes me feel like it's maybe not quite for me, or it's not it's not quite my something that's that's as relevant to me as a female brass player. So, I think just having that constant um, slight position of championing of a female option, if if that's appropriate, um, I think is really great. Um, and then just calling it out things, I think is the biggest thing as well. I think there's so many situations whereby um, if a joke is made and it's not quite an appropriate joke, it could be a joke about anybody or it could be at anyone's ex- expense. This is, it's not a gender specific thing at all, but just being that person who says, oh, is that funny or doesn't laugh or doesn't join in? I think that's so important. And I think that's something that 
can completely disrupt any kind of cliquey lad culture. Um, it's just that one person being brave enough to say, oh, I didn't find that very funny, actually. Mm. You know, yeah. Then the whole thing just falls flat on its face and probably won't happen again. And I think for anyone making kind of sexist jokes or, or jokes that are inappropriate generally, it's perhaps someone coming at it from a position of feeling a little bit nervous themselves, wanting to kind of um, bond in the group or wanting to justify their position. So I think it's it can be that if that person's called out kind of quite quickly, they won't do it again. It won't become an issue, won't be a problem. So I think, yeah, just not being frightened of calling out something is something that I think would have huge benefits for all the areas that we're kind of looking at. Yeah. There is such a thing as a friendly challenge as well. You know, you don't have to feel you have to be confrontational. I don't think I've ever been confrontational to someone on this actually, but I do friendly challenge people. Um, And yeah, with the jokes and stuff like that, I do think things like jokes can cross your personal value system, even if they're not at your expense. So actually hearing a joke that goes against your values not laughing or kind of after us being a bit like, oh, I found that a bit awkward actually. And um, is you being empowered to be yourself? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's absolutely. not just about doing the right thing for the other people. It's also about yourself, like, and your values and the way that you want to live your life too. Yeah, that's a big one. I mean, I think it's very easy to laugh along, isn't it? We've all done it where you just go along with something <laughs> and you feel a bit uncomfortable after something. Yeah, What's that? Okay. Make mistakes. No, I know, but it's right though. It's good. And it does make you feel better if you think, no, no, I was true to myself there. It's a big one. Yeah. You got to get past that eggy moment. Yeah. That's all it is. Just be brave. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And not mind there being the odd eggy moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've started to enjoy the odd eggy moments, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? I kind of, I've gotten like, I kind of quite like them. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is, oh, this is zesty. <laughs> Hey, I was wondering, do you... Uh, Oh, sorry, Seb, carry on. No, sorry, you carry on, carry on. Well, I was just wondering if you thought this was a specifically British issue or whether you've looked at it internationally at all. Because some of the things we're talking about there, like you're saying, that sort of jokey kind of slightly inappropriate or totally inappropriate joking is that I don't know if that's quite a British thing, isn't it? But do you think, have you looked internationally to see if the problem's around the world? Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously, I think it looks really different because every culture is different, you know, wherever you are in the world. And some of the cultures we're talking about today are very British, like obviously the pub culture, very British. Some of the stars are joking as well. Um, But actually, we recently had a meeting with the person who runs the National Youth Orchestra in Colombia. And they have a huge gender issue in Colombia in terms of numbers across all of the instruments, across the whole classical music sector. Their number ratios are much worse than ours. But we found it so interesting talking to him because he was talking about them looking to us a lot in the West, thinking, oh, they're doing so well. And we had to be like... Well, <laughs> we, we, we gen- gently sort of let him down a little bit, I think. But certainly, the I think, yeah, like Beth's saying, that there has been such a problem um, of, of representation in Colombia that there are now actually a lot more plans of how to address this going on in Colombia. They are moving Beth quick. Beth and I were blown away. Yeah, they are being active, possibly because it is so bad. And they've also had a lot of issues with sexual harassment in the industry. Um, So they are proactive 
So that was really inspiring. They don't because yeah. the other British, the other side of the British coin here, it's that we're all very um, walking eggshells, aren't we? Like no one wants to say the wrong thing. Everyone's worried about offending. You know, I'm worried about offending. I'm worried that when I talk about it, people are going to think I'm after their job, and I'm I'm not. You know, <laughs> but you know, I think that's British as well. Being like, oh gosh can we speak about this? How do we speak about it? I don't have the confidence or the language to speak about it, mm. you know? So it's complex. Yeah. And procrastination. Well, yeah. For sure. That might be a global issue. I think we <laughs> we hopefully might have a little trip to Colombia at some <gasps> point, but we certainly have a lot to learn from um, things that they're implementing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we speak to people internationally relatively frequently. Like we spoke to, I can't remember her second name, Rebecca. Kabowski. You think? We'll, we'll double check that. We'll <laughs> and she's lived in New Zealand and it's a very different scenario in New Zealand as well. You know, it's mm. just really interesting. I mean, the, the whole situation of getting into the auction in New Zealand sounds different. It sounds much more of a sort of positive recruitment process. Oh, like really? What do they do there? Well, she said, because it's quite a small, um, it's a smaller kind of industry yeah you can email the orchestra and set up like a casual audition at your kind of um convenience <laughs> which what? just sounds like ridiculous to us right <laughs> so and then good. you know they'll see you and it's like a normal like you know they just want to see how you play it just sounded way more like a chilled out sensible job yeah. application yes. and on actually we we're on the abo conference and we had paul filbert Who's principal Tiffany? He's brilliant. Oh, oh, he's brilliant. I love. He's great. I think he's RSNO, yeah. isn't he? Is that right? Yeah. Principal Timpanist. and he said something which he said was quite radical. I guess it is quite radical, maybe to some people. But um, he was like, "Let's just basically," and I'm paraphrasing. This isn't exactly what he said, but essentially, he was saying, "Why don't we recruit for these positions like a normal job, like the whole rest of the other industries are doing? Get rid of the trial." Do you know what I mean? Have a probation, maybe, like a normal job. But why are we doing this? It's ridiculous. Having these people on trial for years and years, having to, like, you know, stress out every time they go into work, thinking, oh, I made that one mistake. Does that mean, like, I've lost a decade, you know, the rest of my life worth of a job? Yeah, it's just a lot for anyone, isn't it? And he was yeah, just like, yeah. get rid of it, <laughs> which is quite refreshing. He was, he was fantastic. And I think it's this... Thing in in some ways, it is just common sense. I think the answers to all of the big questions that yeah, a two year trial period oh, is bonkers. Oh my gosh, yeah, imagine. Plus, which you know, an, an audition and trial system whereby you are kind of peer reviewed, which can be very negative. Um, the whole the whole thing, it, it's not a good framework. Um, something that obviously Europe does maybe better than us um, is screened auditions which happened, but then is a screened audition any good if you're then going to be put on trial? Probably not. Um, that European model of someone winning a job at the end of screened auditions um, uh, in, in one day and then do a year of probation, that's probably not a, not a bad um, halfway house, but um, you still do two screened auditions and then one live audition. So kind of what's the point of doing the screen thing in the first place? So I think... Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of very imperfect uh, uh, scenarios going on at the moment. And I think, yeah, the, the voice of reason from Paul mm. saying scrap the lot uh, was really refreshing to hear. I, I guess like for people, people in orchestras maybe are in a better position to kind of help out in this situation campaign because they're kind of, they're secure. It's tougher for freelancers to rock the boat. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, totally. And, you know, the truth is his voice probably does carry more weight 
because we do yeah. still have those issues we spoke about earlier mm. about prestige, about hierarchy. You know, even though we can disagree about it until the cows come home, that is how it is at the moment. And freelance voices just simply don't carry that amount of weight, especially potentially freelance female voices freelance female voices who actually value teaching you know you can go on and on in terms of the hierarchical structures that we are all led to believe in yeah um but yeah that's why we need everyone to kind of get involved and I have been reached out to by people with orchestral seats I had I've had great meetings with people who are you know wanting to change things from the inside and also they do have the power of having a connection with their organization and they do have a stronger expertise in what it's like to work full-time in an orchestra and you know we need to use that and utilize it so yeah you're totally right it's just, I mean it's just brilliant work you guys are doing oh yeah. thank you totally well it's exciting I think there's there's well we've we've found that there's been a lot of positive positivity a lot of excitement a lot of enthusiasm um and a lot of goodwill shown to us um for everything we've done so far and it feels like now is the time um, to be doing this. It feels like now post pandemic, this is a good, it's a good thing to be kind of starting, um, starting to do to address things that haven't quite worked in the music industry and to look at what we could do to create a better future, um, in the music industry. And I think, yeah, I think our approach seems to be going down really well and we're going to keep doing it, um, and build on it and make it bigger. Yes. So yeah, watch this space. Yeah. Brilliant. And you know, I would also just encourage people to think about it, talk to people about it with your mates, whatever, start thinking about where you're at. You know, I think that's the best thing that people can do. I think people should be doing that anyway, not just about gender, but just about everything in general, you know? Yeah. A bit of self-reflection. Yeah. Oh yeah. Love Very it. good. Yeah. Exactly. Very yeah. good. <laughs> And yeah. leaning into those eggy moments. We've, I've taken that Definitely. away. I've taken that away with me today. <laughs> Bring them on. Yeah. This is like the massive tangent, but I do have to ask you because Rob said about it from the train journey you had with him the other day. He All said right. that you are a specialist in hot cross buns. <laughs> is, this, is this factually accurate or is it very specific? Is it M&S hot cross buns that you just know no, everything I love about? hot cross buns. I love them. But to be honest, bakery in general, like yeah. often when people tell me where they live, I'll know, you know, maybe if there's a girls nearby or like, you yeah. know, what the bakery situation is. But yeah, hot cross buns. I okay, go them. on. It's Leighton, you... Leighton, what are you telling Leighton. me about? Oh, I don't yeah, know Leighton on. very well. Oh, no, you can't shoot Leighton at me. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to have to come up here and do a do little bit of so Got Marmello. Oh, a horrible moment. You were right. referring to the uh, pre grade one. Duh, <laughs> duh, duh. Oh, yeah. duh, <laughs> duh. I wrote it. Letty is mine. I wrote that. I wrote this that. It's a classic. <laughs> oh, in that case. You play that in every, every sound check, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect soundtrack material. We <laughs> test, test it out with that middle section. Yeah. One a penny. <laughs> yeah, no, I love a hot cross bun. I basically bought a pack for the train, which yeah. is probably a bit of a rogue purchase, but top, top notch because you know yeah. they they fill you up. Plug yeah, in the toaster. Uh, exactly. exactly. And just, but for a train, obviously you're not going to have a toaster. You're not going to have butter. So you want to go for like a chocolate one, or oh, unless you like an apple one, because the fruit Ooh. one is just a bit too dry if yeah. you can't toast it or butter it. But in general, M and S shop bought are a good yeah. shop option. But Gales at Easter time, their hot cross buns. Okay. 
are worth a visit. They're really, really okay. decent. Yeah, they're okay. really decent. Good knowledge. And we go really straight good. up trad. None, not messed around chocolate, fruit, and that would go straight up traditional, no, right? There, there's a trad, yeah. Okay, there's a trad. Yeah. good. <laughs> and you, you're like, it's like Good Friday really is the day for... For hot cross buns, right? Well, I think it sounds like any day is the day for hot cross buns. A wet Tuesday in October, why not? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. But it's a tricky one because, you know, I do, I, yeah, Gail's hot cross buns are great, but in general, I do feel nervous about the direction Gail's is taking. I don't know if you yeah. agree. It's getting very well, yeah, big. Well, yeah. Very big. The sizes are very small. It's getting a bit pricey. So, you know, I, I don't want to fully endorse Gail's, but the hot cross bun <laughs> is top notch. Okay. With some artisanal jam, <laughs> I just go spread on they're top. Their loaves of bread are so expensive. I know, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know. So I don't want to like, you know, there are. I, I've got a great bakery near, near me called Belangerie Jade. They've got yeah. a couple now. Oh. They've got about four. Yeah. If you're around the southeast of London, yeah, what there? Oh. Place. Where about is that roughly? They've got one. Okay, they've got three in Blackheath. Which yeah. says a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. Two near the station, one lot. near the standard. They got one in Woolwich. I feel like they've got one in Dulwich. Their vermoiserie oh, is very, wow, very okay. good. Would recommend. Would really recommend. If you're at Blackie Falls, pop yeah. down to Blantry Jade. <laughs> have you, and you've tested their hot cross buns, have you? Yeah, they're good. They're good. good. Oh. This is the one time they're not as good as Gales. On okay. everything else, they're better than Gales. Yeah. Right, right. good. Gales, I went in there around Christmas time, bought one of their fruit juices in an emergency pit stop for the children. I, about a fiver. Yeah, I basically had to remortgage the house. It was an <laughs> yeah. absolute disgrace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? Their yeah. sandwiches are good, though. Their sandwiches are really nice. But it is all delicious. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's the difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. Dangerously pricey. Yeah, and busy and roll. noisy. And, you know, yeah. I like kids, but always full of kids. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> yeah, if, if, you don't, if, you, if you don't have kids, sometimes you don't always want to. Listen, know. if you have kids, you <laughs> often <laughs> don't. <laughs> <don't laughs> <don't laughs> even more so if you but have yeah, them yourself. When absolutely. you pop down to girls for a cup of tea, you don't want to be surrounded by. No, no, no absolutely <laughs> not. Not when you paid five pounds for your juice. Quite. Sure. I know. I, I went to the pub uh, a couple of Sundays ago, and it was just like a nursery, <gasps> but but oh God. but also with drunk adults. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was mad. The rescue yeah, disaster. it's a toxic mix. Yeah. It really oh, is. Yeah. It's a toxic yeah. mix. <laughs> Oh yeah. God! Like an alcoholic crash. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. um, oh, good luck to those children. I know. Good luck. Past <laughs> the age of carrying four. their parents home. Yeah. That was a nice pub. It wasn't like it wasn't a dump. It was like a hip, arty pub. Mm. But uh, so not but not so just... much a my, my childhood experience of pubs, which was sat on a bar stool waiting for my dad to finish his pint, and we'd always have either scampi, you know, scampi crisps or the bacon ones. I love scampi fries. Scampi fries are the Christmas dreams. Usually after swimming, and he'd be like, don't tell your mum, you know. (laughs) That was my childhood experience. Those pints seemed to last absolutely forever, didn't they? Oh my gosh. Was that that like a post-swim pint? Yeah, post-swim, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I suppose if you're in a warm swimming pool, you probably want a sort of refreshing something yeah, afterwards. You need it. Yeah. You need <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe if it's been quite a horrific sp- swimming experience with like small oh, children weeing is. in the water yeah. everywhere, yeah. you just need to, you know, recalibrate. Yeah. And, you know, it is very important to hydrate after sport. 
It really is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Through a pint of lager. Yeah. I used to have after swim. Oh, sorry, Seb. Carry on. 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 What, you was yours? Yours. what was yours? What was yours? I'll tell you mine I was after. I say cherry, cherry coke yeah. and some knickknacks. Yes. Oh, nice. That's nice. nice. That's a great I, shout. I used to Are get they the. Even still going? Knickknacks. You can still yeah. find them. <laughs> Pubs, pubs have got them. Sorry, yeah. No, I was going to say that I used to have the. Do you remember those boxes of chocolate cigarettes you could buy? Oh, uh, they were great. Oh, and you pretend to yes. smoke them. Yeah. That's what I used to have after swimming a little post swim <laughs> chocolate cigarette. I bet my, my mum would be horrified. Well, I'm so sorry, mum. I'm sure she'll listen to this. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> Disaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God oh. we've got to the important points now. God, blimey. Exactly. <laughs> Finally. Finally. Stuff. God, I'm just going to throw in another cafe because I still go swimming quite a lot uh, outdoors in Parliament Hill, Lido, oh. and they've got a top cafe uh, which does all kinds of delicious toasted snacks. So mm. if you're after, they don't yeah. do hot cross buns. What are they called? But they do do... Uh, it's called Hoxton Beach uh, yes, Cafe, and it's very not in Hoxton, good. it's in Parliament Hill Lido. Mm, yes. But post swim, you can see loads of people in their trendy dry robes, shivering <laughs> in the cafe, waiting for their deluxe hot chocolate. Or the porridge option is mm. is really great. I think so. they're in um, uh, London Fields Lido as well. London Fields, mm. likewise, and they do an some... amazing falafel wrap. Oh, mm. yeah! Nice. Someone very needs good. to write a list of top cafes. Because, yeah. you know, as a freelancer, you find yourself, especially, you know, doing, I do lots of workshopping. I find myself at random locations yeah. and I need to know where the top cafe is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Like the top Absolutely. one. I feel like that needs to happen. Definitely. I've just thought of another excellent post-swim cafe, which is Brockwell Lido. And you can actually have an Aperol Spritz oh, post-swim, yes. which I have to say, that might be my my adult post-swim uh, thing of choice. <laughs> That's good. <Full> <laughs> that is good. It's basically like cherry coke, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> basically deluxe cherry coke, <laughs> ideally with knickknacks. <laughs> Great. Well, on that note, I think we should uh, we should end. Uh, sure. And uh, it's been such a delight to chat to you. Thank you. Um, and good luck with it all. Yes. Thank you. Thanks so yes. much. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thanks so much well there we go that was letty and beth they're so brilliant and eloquent Mm, and interesting yes yes. (laughs) eloquent yes yes Uh, does it make you feel uh the opposite of that (laughs) so much so so much so directly after that chat in fact i had to uh message you instantly to say I think I might have just waffled terribly and incoherently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was one question I asked, which I don't even know if it was a question by the end of the time I stopped speaking. (laughs) Total waffle. I think I, I imagine I've edited that out or (laughs) a lot of the words. Um, Maybe you didn't notice it, listener, but you probably did. No. Well. (laughs) No, no, no. But anyway, but... (laughs) But they were great to chat to you. And I think we got a very interesting discussion going. Yeah. Yeah, and, I definitely uh, think so. And I, wow. I mean, I definitely went and thought about those things afterwards, as I hope you will all feel the same now. And actually just yeah. start questioning questioning things. And uh, I don't know if that's the right word, really. I mean, we all do question things. But I mean, it's just things like picking apart little bits of of what you do or what happens in education. I just think 
Yeah, there's so much that needs to be addressed, isn't there? Yeah, I think it's good to question things. Yeah. And yeah, having a chat like that does make you just reframe things slightly and go, oh, hang on. Yeah, maybe there are there are little instances where possibly that could lead to some form of discrimination or or is that actually maybe that thing that happened, maybe that's a bit of sexism I hadn't even picked up on. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, but we can all do something, can't we? I think that's the, yeah, that's the takeaway. We can all think about it and and just try and make uh, the music world a bit better because I don't think anyone, as yes. you said, win-win. I don't think anyone loses out really. No, really no, not. I, I, mean, I don't even need to qualify it with a really. Like it, no one loses <laughs> out. <laughs> exactly. At all. The end. At That's all. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's just going to make for a, a nicer work atmosphere mm. and better music. Yes. That's it. Isn't Very it? good. They are excellent people. This is a great conversation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if you want to find out more, then you can go to largeandshiny.com. You can find them on Instagram. Yes. And Twitter. I think on Instagram, they're large and shiny, at large and shiny. Yeah, that's it. On Twitter, I think they are Galsy. Oh, are they? At, at Galsy. I think so. Right. I'm going to look uh, Well, up. we've linked to it in the description anyway. Yes, so you that's fine. Them. You'll find them. You'll find them. Um, oh, and also, yeah. yes. they are doing a oh, yeah. Women in Music breakfast. Now, hang on. Let's get this exactly right. It's at the South Bank Centre. Yeah, it's Women in Music breakfast on April the 1st. And you can go along. It's not just them chatting. They will be there talking, but there's going to be loads of interesting people. So definitely, if you've been interested in what they were talking about, you just want to know a bit more, get involved, go along. Why not? Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Mm. I'm really interested in that mentoring thing. Yes. And... um. I know this really is for, for women to be mentors, but I'm interested if it's something I could do. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I, as I said, like it would have been so useful to have someone, uh, especially someone that was a freelancer, to just sort of tell you the ways of the world a little bit. Definitely. Uh, not that I'm some wise Obi-Wan Kenobi or anything, but <laughs> but just, yeah, just well, to help just to help people out a bit. Um, I like to think that if you did mentor, you would do it in a robe. And just sit yeah. with your hood pulled down with wise yeah. words. <laughs> yeah, I probably would do that, yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, this is sort of related. You know, Barry Cryer died recently. And yeah, oh, he was yeah. known for, for just always talking to all generations of comedians and and was always helping people out. And and I think yeah. that's a similar industry that that it's not really like the older you are, you don't talk to the don't, don't talk to people below you because it's it's like music. Everyone's basically the same, aren't they, in the yeah, industry? exactly. There's not like a pr- promotion and progression. <laughs> you just like, everyone's doing the same thing. So, yeah. But at my stage of, of life, I'm not really meeting that many people that are, are kind of coming out of conservatoires unless I happen to be doing a gig with them. But but there's so many people I'm, I just haven't met yet. Um, yeah. So I really hope, uh, well, I hope to be able to, meet people and I don't know if yeah. they want any help advice or anything if I, they probably don't want any any I bet they up. do I bet they do <laughs> <laughs> I actually a girl <laughs> rang me up not long ago who was graduating yeah. I think she was in her fourth year at Welsh College to just chat about what it's like out out there 
in a while. Great. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Actually, I really enjoyed talking to her. Your first... that, was that on the phone? Did yeah. you meet, meet them? Yeah, actually, I did it via Zoom. So yeah. Oh yeah. But it was um, it was great. It was actually really nice to chat to her because it sort of makes you think about what you're doing as well, doesn't it? And of course, sort of, yeah. I felt happy and glad that I got through that stage, yeah. <laughs> moved beyond there. Really, yeah, it's nice. So yeah, yeah. anyone well, wants to give me a call? If anyone wants any. <laughs> Any help? Just get in touch. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll mentor you. Yeah, we, we what about will. that thing as well about um, peer heroes? That's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think we could all do that, couldn't we? Hey, I'll I'll be your peer hero. Okay, I'll do the same for you. Oh, there we are. That's nice. Yeah, lovely. There we go. So, what do oh, I have to do? What What do I need to do as my? Got to retweet everything I ever write. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. If I make a rubbish album, you've got to promote it and buy I, it. I promise I will. I promise I will do that. Likewise, you have to do the same for me. Oh, yeah. If I, I do... do... To, to give money to your Kickstarter. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, thanks. You've really started well. <laughs> um, I, if I if I go and write a, an album and I sing on it this evening, yeah. will you retweet it, please? Of course I will, yeah. <laughs> That's a hell of a hell of a thing to do. Thank you. <laughs> I promise oh, I won't great. Do that. Well, right. I feel like we've, we've come away with some good ideas here. Yeah, we have. These guys. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much. Mm. Uh, if you want to support our show, you can join our Patreon for three pounds fifty per month plus fat. Well, I think there I think is. We plus should some. say that. Yeah, yeah. we should. It's about really. four pounds or so. Okay. Four pounds something. Um. Uh, yeah. What we're saying. I mean, if you're fat registered, do, do you get that back? Oh, you might do. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, join our Patreon because uh, you get uh, extra bonus episodes and you get, um, uh, that's it really, <laughs> for now. You get, you get a good feeling about yourself yeah, for well, supporting it, a show. It does support our show because this this takes time, uh, mm. as, you can, as you can see, and uh, we have overheads. We do. I got yeah. a random payment from Squarespace the other day. I don't know what that was for. Did you? Yeah, I need some money <laughs> from you. <laughs> So, oh, oh! You had to I make got a 60 payment. Quid. Oh, yeah, I got sixty hell? quid. Yeah, sixty quid came out of my account. Oh, I thought I think you it was said the that they. That we, uh, oh, that flipping heck! All right, oh, we better don't start worry. using that email address. Yeah, can people Hello please email at three us? Hello, three in a bar dot com. <laughs> Let's make the most of this. Please, someone send us an email. Oh, go on, please do. Just so we feel like that is sixty quid, not wasted. <laughs> send us an email and ask us to be your mentors. We'll do yeah. it. We really will. We'll really mentor will. anyone. Also, we must um, thank. We must please, thank. You say, you say Can it. I thank them? Chimney Fire yeah, yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Thank you for sponsoring this episode, you brilliant thank people. You. And mm. if you are a fan of coffee, then head on over to their website. And if you put in T I A B 20, the number 20, that is, you will get two 20% off, two zero, your first order of delicious coffee from them yeah do it okay i feel like we've covered everything we need to do i think we have too and i really i need to leave so i can check all the things i now need to retweet as your um (laughs) yeah as your peer hero so probably ought to get going with that great thanks peer hero you're welcome (laughs) and uh have a good week uh two weeks actually yeah (laughs) enjoy them both Enjoy both weeks and uh, we'll see you next time. We've got, um, well, we'll have another guest. Yeah, we do. All right. Uh, Bye. Cheerio. Bye.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.